What's up, everyone? I don't even feel like doing an intro today. Like, I'm so, like, I'm just irritated, kind of, you know? And we're going to get into all the results from last week, get into kind of where we are now, the state of everything, Anthony Gill getting minutes. I know that uh, there was a podcast posted, and Tommy Shepard is on it. Wes Unseld had an interview this morning on, 1067 the fan it's wednesday my dudes by the way um november 2nd uh october was fun man uh, i guess you took the the kiddos out for trick-or-treating right sure did sure did how yep, was it up there yep. anyway like how was your neighborhood and everything uh it, it was raining here so literally no kids were outside you had to take them up to uh to the mall um to, to go trick-or-treat so it was cool yeah yeah i mean it was i think it was raining up and down the the east coast because it was raining here too and this is my first year living in this uh, apartment complex i'm in now and i thought that there'd be kids that were coming to to knock on doors and stuff here but i no one showed up so there's like a a, a neighborhood behind us like behind the tree line so i don't know if they went over there or what exactly that situation was, but no one showed up here either. Not that I was ready regardless. I didn't get um, a bowl or candy or anything. My girlfriend kind of made me feel bad about it. She was like, oh, you heartless. But um, I digress. The, the the Wizards, it's not looking too good right now for our team, man. And we're going to get into a little bit of, of everything kind of where they are now. But I did want to start off with the results that we did not get to talk about from um, this past week's slate of games, and I believe that started with Detroit. Um, We both predicted a win for that game. Um, The Wizards did win it. It, At one point, it seemed it was in convincing fashion, uh, but they kind of let them hang around, if if I remember correctly. Good game from Jaden Ivy, although he did get hurt, I think, right? Ivy got hurt in the middle of that game. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Tweaked the ankle or something like that. Uh, the Wizards then came back. Um, well, the, the, they played the Pacers again. This time the Wizards were at home. We both predicted a win for that game. They did lose that game, and that was just it was in pretty embarrassing fashion i mean the pacers i think had over 40 points in the in the first quarter and then from there they just really never slowed down um i don't know if you have any thoughts from from the pacers game at all if not we can move it along but i figured i'd ask yeah i mean the the lawn right went down i felt like you immediately lost your your best point of attack defender and against a Pacers team that has, to me, an elite backcourt with Ben Matherin and Halliburton, it was going to be a struggle to to contain their three-point shooting, and that's pretty much what you saw. I think the Pacers took like 40-something threes, and that was the ball game. Like, we, we don't, we're not a prolific three-point shooting team, so if you're going to let, you know, a backcourt like that get going, Buddy Hill, uh, Matherin, Halliburton, you're going to let them each hit four or five threes on you, you're going to lose the game. So, that's what happened. I didn't watch the Celtics or the Sixers game. Did you watch the both of those or no? Yes. I had to watch the Celtics game on the replay. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, the Celtics game, they just came out and just blitzed. Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown just came out and just blitzed you. I mean, they had like, shit, 20 of the first <laughs> 20. They had like 20 of the first Celtics points just off the rip. Um, I mean, it was just nothing. We had no answer for them. Like, Denny, Beal, uh, Gill, Kuzma, all of them got cooked. Monte, they all they all took turns getting cooked in that first quarter. And after that, I mean, the game was pretty much over. Um, what about the, the Philly game? I know that they were without Embiid. I still would have predicted a loss for that game even without Embiid. And uh, clearly they stuck true with that. I know you told me that you think that the Sixers are better without Embiid. So what exactly happened with that game? Yeah, especially matchup wise, um, because with Embiid, they they run slow pace because they got to play a half court game. Embiid is not a guy that's going to run much. He wants to get the ball in the post and go ISO, and a lot of times he turns it over because he's a bad passer out of the post. Uh, but without him, now you got Maxi and Harden just coming at you 100 miles an hour every time down. It's a lot of pick and roll, uh, a lot of drive and kick. And that's what we struggle with. We we can't contain the perimeter without DeLon Wright. Um, that, I think that's been evident the last three games since he's been hurt, and the Sixers exploited that. Uh, you know, we tried to double Harden, but that left Tobias Harris or P.J. Tucker wide open for threes, and it's because you don't have a single defender that can just stay in front of their guards. So that was another L. <laughs> so... They gotta they gotta figure out a way to replicate or or not replicate, replace the point of attack defense that DeLon was getting giving them because he was playing at a defensive player of the year type level. Like he was playing at like a Marcus Smart type defensive level on that perimeter. And they don't have it. Monte Morris, Beal, Denny, uh, Gill. None of them. None of them can do what DeLon was doing, and it, it's showing. <clears throat> so, before we get into the the rest of this week's games, and I'm kind of looking ahead here in the schedule, it, it seems that we're in a, a really rough spot right now. The, the big three pairing isn't, uh, I think, what the expectation was going to be. I, the general consensus right now is that Kuzma's kind of being left out of the fold a little bit. And I don't want to say like I didn't see this coming, but I was one of the few that was suggesting that you need to trade Kuzma while his value was high. And, and look, they didn't. They they said, okay, we're, we're going to try and win. And I I can respect that. Um, I guess I'm just a little, I don't even want to say more discouraged, but my, my stance on the level of discouragement is, has not changed. And I just don't know if this regime is going to be able to get it together. And it's not just uh, a Tommy thing. Uh, it's not just uh, a West thing. Like, it's just everyone. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to win, but clearly it's just like they have no idea what they're doing. Tommy Shepard has now had four or five off seasons. I don't know how many it's been now. It's been, what, four, right, I think? 
Yeah, this is his fourth year. Four. He's had four off seasons because he took over in the summer of 2019. So Rui was his first, I guess, draft pick, and then it went from there. Either way, uh, sorry, I'm yawning. It's um, so the Wizards are so boring. It's unacceptable. Um, either way, that how it's 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 been this long, and you still haven't put together a team that you can convincingly say is even just a play-in team. And even then, that would still be embarrassing. Like, four years in, if you decided to go with this movement with building around Bradley Beal. Four years in, we should not be saying that, like, our best-case scenario right now, realistically, is that we are a solid play-in team. Because you, you can't even say that right now. Um, West Unsell Jr. has been a disaster. We gave him a pass last year because he was a rookie and there were a lot of veterans on the team that were causing problems, and that's great. But now the same problems are coming back up in year two. The only thing you're not seeing right now that we saw last year is the locker room problems. But if the team continues to lose and guys are buying in less and less, those problems are going to come back up again. So um, I think both of them collectively have not been a disaster, but have almost been about as bad as you could be. I think. West Unseld last year kind of got, I don't want to say bailed out late games, but Kuzma did hit a lot of clutch shots last year that we're not really seeing from the team this year. But, and, you know, he, him and his staff drew that up. It, it's, it's credit to him. But outside of that, the team still can't get the ball in bounds. They still can't beat a, a full-court press at times, it seems like. Um, these were issues from last year. It's like I don't know how – you don't have something simple that high school coaches are going to be teaching their kids how to do. Like you don't have to get in a straight line and do all this type of stuff to, to get an out of bounds play done correctly. But can you at least have something to go to, to where you're not borderline having to call a, a five second violation every other time you're taking the ball out of bounds offensively, we don't have a grinded out team. We have guys that are better where you can get out and run. If you leave Bradley Beal in the half court, sometimes you're going to end up with stupid turnovers. If you keep them in transition, you will avoid those. Kristaps Porzingis is really, I feel like, is a little bit more useful at times in transition than in the half court game because sometimes he doesn't have the strength to to body with some of the bigs. And unless you get a mismatch in in the mid-post area, and I mean, he's still a good player, but... Kuzma, too. Kuzma is a, is a fine player, but Kuzma's better when he gets out and runs. And right now, the Wizards are not a fast-paced team. They are almost bottom third in the league in three-point percentage, and I'm sure they're uh, in about the same area in terms of three-point attempts. I can check that real quick. But yeah, They're bottom five in three-point attempts. Bottom five in three-point attempts, bottom ten in pace. Yeah, they're just they're, – they're archaic offense. <laughs> and then defensively, I'm pretty sure right now it's not that much better. Um, I know that our starting five originally with Monte Beal, well, it, it was Denny, Kuzma, and KP had a pretty good ra- net rating, you were saying, right? Yeah, they were they were a top five starting starting lineup in the NBA the first four games. Uh, but, you know, and I guess Cleveland aside, you know, you were playing some pretty poor teams you know, those first four games, and now you've played some quality opponents, uh, you know, with the Celtics, Philly, um, you know, and then the Pacers, I don't think are that bad, 
but you know they can shoot the three so and they have elite point guard play where you're weak right now so you you just they can exploit your your warts um but i, I mean just in general for me the, the the team makeup i like the team as they're constructed i just think they're missing the most important piece uh and that's a point guard like 2019 when Tommy took this team over their two biggest weaknesses were starting point guard and I would say starting small forward yeah the wings yeah four years later their two big biggest weaknesses are starting point guard starting small forward they still don't have an answer like four three top 10 picks later four lottery picks Four summers, four off seasons, free agency periods, they still don't have an answer. And it just it boggles my mind that you could be that incompetent to not be able to address the most important position on the floor. Something that would maximize the guy that you just paid two hundred and fifty million damn dollars to. Something that would maximize uh, a Kristaps Porzingis who you wanna you wanna identify and set as a cornerstone piece for you. To not adjust the point guard position in any real tangible way, man, is just like it's to me it's it's a disqualification. Like it's like I think that's why you're seeing these issues. Um, you know, they've had numerous opportunities to address it in the draft, in the first round, uh, in the top ten, in the bottom of the first round, and in the second round. They have yet and they've they've had opportunities to do it via trades. They just they just kind of have been piecemealing it and, and just kind of like, oh, this will do or this will work or just just a little bit of this and we'll be OK. And it's it, it's been a disaster. It's been a disaster. I I'm trying not to give Monte Morris too much slander just because the, the way I was picturing it anyway, and the, the way I had imagined this was going to go was the main people with the ball in their hands were going to be Porzingis, Kuzma and Beal. And it's like, okay, well, if you have that foundation and those are going to be the three guys with the ball in your offense, Monte Morris doesn't need to be this guy really who is like a, a typical like true point guard. Like he should be able to just ideally sit out on the wing, shoot the threes like he's been doing, maybe give you something off the bounce every once in a while. And as long as you can relatively stay in front of the guy on the other end, then the the bar for starting point guard for me has been met. But – I don't know if it's been because Kuzma hasn't been that good. I saw that apparently he had a, a couple awful games. Um, they're not using Porzingis, more like Jokic, and they're trying to just put him down in the low post a little bit more, which I think had been one of your concerns. And then Bradley Beal, I guess, isn't – I mean, Br Bradley Beal is not a point guard – but I figured he would be the, the head of the snake in, in the offense and sort of be more of an initiator. So for me, like, I didn't think that Monte Morris was going to be expected to have this big role. So, and I guess he's shooting the ball from three okay, right? Like his, his shooting is good, isn't it, or is it not? Yeah, he's shooting, he's shooting solid from three point. He's shooting over 40% from three, but he's not taking a lot of them. And that, to me, goes back to the, the shot quality. They're not getting good shot quality for their best shooters. Like, and I think part of that is because 
you you got Bradley Beal, who to me is one of the best scorers still in the NBA, but you're asking him to be like this setup man. And and I get it, you're kind of desperate. LeBron got hurt. Monte is not really a guy that can break you down off the dribble, get into the paint, get into the uh, you know, uh getting knife into the defense and, and drive and kick. He's not that type of player. So you're asking Bill to do it, but I think you're asking Bill to do it. You're gonna see high turnovers. You're gonna take away from his ability as a catch and shoot three point shooter, because now he gotta do he gotta shoot threes off the dribble, which he's never been good at. You look even when he was with John Wall, his three point shooting off the bounce was never good. He was a catch and shoot three point shooter. So now you're giving him the ball and telling him to set up guys, do everything off the bounce, and I think that's affecting his offensive output. And then you you you're not getting clean looks because he's not a point guard. So now Monte is kind of standing in the corner, waiting, and, and it's no real flow. They're not running. There's no fast break. There's no cohesion or, or speed to their offense. So it's just hella clunky. It's the same stuff we were talking about last year. And I'm like, it's a whole new personnel. It's the same coach. So at some point, it's like, all right, what, what are we doing? What are we doing, man? At some point. We got to start looking at, you know, the common denominators in all of this. Yeah, no, it's definitely frustrating. And uh, the, the thing with Beal going downhill and being able to create for others, I mean, we've seen it before. I mean, he was able to do it under Scott Brooks, who I think is one of the biggest buffoons in Wizards coaching history. So the fact that Wes Unseld cannot figure out how to use Bradley Beal in a way that's effective for everyone else around him is – a little. It, it's just. It it is frustrating for sure to to see how all of this is kind of playing out because I knew that we were getting a guy that valued quality over quantity, and, and that's fine. Like if that's your approach, I mean, I, I guess the analytics would maybe say quantity over quality at times with with certain things. But I mean, we had said when Scott Brooks left and Wes Unseld took over that, like, you know, we need to have an offense where there is a game plan, where there's design, there's reason as to to why and how you're doing things. And so there wasn't any problem with the line of thinking, but the fact that he's preached those things and then you still don't get the quality of shots, it's like, you're still getting the, the same quality of shots that you had with Scott Brooks, but one guy provided pace and the other guy wants to hang back and be slow. And so naturally the, the faster pace offense, if you're taking bad quality shots is going to win out more times often than not. So um, I don't know what they need to do exactly to fix things on the offensive side of the ball, but I do know that Wes is going to have to figure that out soon or else his job is going to be on the line. I mean, I'm going to be honest. If, if I was a decision maker, I probably wouldn't keep him after this year. I mean, I'm going to be honest. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah. I, I don't see it happening because they're not, they're not going to fire. I mean, when is this, this, this front office, this, this owner fired a coach after two years? It just doesn't. If anything, he's going to be here seven. He's more likely to be here for 10 years than he is to be here for only two years. So, I, you know, they're going to have to figure it out. And I think a lot of it has to do with the personnel, at, like I say, at, at the point guard spot. They don't have a guy that I think can consistently create easy shots for others. They don't have it. And until they get it, 
I think this offense is going to look clunky. It's going to be slow-paced. You know, they got to find a way to get Bill more off of the ball. Um, and I think, you know, some DHOs, some, 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 uh, uh, you know, some pin downs where he's coming off of the pin down and he's just catching it and rising up to shoot it. Like this stuff where he's coming down and it's he's surveying the defense and, you know, they screening for him and he's dribbling in, probing, trying to find guys or he picks up his dribble and then they double and then it's a turnover. It's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like that's that to me is just not using your talent properly. Um, and, and they got to find a way to, to rectify it, else they're going to continue to have a bottom 10 offense. Basically, what this all stems to um, for me, and we've all been saying it, but it all goes back to Ted. Because if there's ever no real expectation to improve and no one's ever going to be held accountable for certain things, like, you know, I mean, of course, they're they're not going to get that much better and they can just – uh, approach things as status quo because again it's they're always going to believe that their process is working and that they're seeing improvement I mean as a, a coach and a GM I feel like this organization always tries to define the positives and point them out instead of identifying the negatives and saying okay this isn't working why is it not it's more of okay this is working let's just uh, let's just keep at it and eventually we'll get there and it's just when you don't have an aggressive mentality with roster building and improving, you're never going to get any better, at least in my opinion. Now, again, if, if their process was working and the first round picks were giving you decent return and um, the free agency classes were even like relatively working out, then I, I wouldn't have a problem. But if those things were working, we wouldn't be in this position right now where we constantly tell ourselves at the beginning of the team that we're going to be the uh, at the beginning of the year that we're going to be in a, an eleventh ten seed team, and it's yeah. like at what point as an owner do you hold the GM and the coach accountable and say why why aren't we getting there? What's the problem? Because we've now had so much roster turnover in these four years, so. And, and Tommy would probably say, well, we're not getting the results, so we keep trying to make changes. But it's like, if your identifying of talent is not helping us improve, then that clearly means that you're not the right guy for the job. And that's right. through the draft, free agency, and then even trades. I know that Tommy gets all this credit for, for trades and stuff, like he brought us Porzingis and Kuzma, and that's all fine and dandy. But my point is, where has that gotten us? It really hasn't gotten us that far. So we can look at trades individually and say, yes, this makes us better. But if we have so many of those, then why aren't we winning? Why aren't we better? And I get well, that the East has gotten stronger, but that's not an excuse to me because you should know that since the East has gotten better, perhaps you should get off your ass and make more of an aggressive move to improve yourself. But you can't do that when you draft like shit. And, and, that's, and that for me is where it starts and ends. Because – why do you have to trade for KP and Kuzma in the first place? Because if you identified it, if you identified, you've had three top 10 picks in four years. If you identified a core player in with those top 10 picks, is there a need for KP or Kuzma? Are we, are we talking about Kuzma as a part of our big three? If Rui or Denny look like are producing like a maxi or are producing like a Tyler hero, 
Like we're not, but we're, we we have to have these conversations because they're zero for three in the draft, as far as I'm concerned, right now, and it's looking like zero and four with Johnny Davis. <laughs> like, and again, that, I, I don't say that to say that those guys are going to be busts, but they're not needle movers. They're just guys. They're replacement level players, just like Troy Brown Jr. was. Just like Kelly Oubre was, and just like Otto Porter eventually was. Like, they're replacement level guys, guys that come a dime a dozen in every draft. And for a team like the Wizards that doesn't have a Giannis, that doesn't have a Luka, that doesn't have a Zion at the top of their roster, you cannot go 0 for 4 in the draft. You just can't. Because it, it, it handcuffs you. It handcuffs you. When a, when a star player is available, like a spider, a DeJounte Murray, it's probably going to be uh, Shaq Gillis next. You don't have the assets to go acquire that guy because nobody wants your mid. Nobody wants it. And he, to my, in my estimation, he needs to be, like back to your point, he needs to be held accountable for that. The trades are nice, but the trades are happening because you're not hitting in the draft. That's why they're happening. Like, we don't need uh, Kyle Kuzma to be the big three if Tyrese Halliburton is here. Like, because you got your big three. Like, you don't have to make these reactionary trades to bring in talent if you're drafting talent. Like, it just, to me, the fact that Anthony Gill right now is more trusted than both of your top ten picks, to me, is an indictment on your GM. Anthony Gill, a, somebody who we never even heard of three years, three years ago, is now your starting small forward when you've drafted three wings now, well, four wings in the last four drafts. That is an indictment of your talent evaluation, in my opinion. And it's not just the first-round picks either. I mean, it's the second-round picks. The, the first draft, we got, what, Admiral Schofield and Bobo was right there. And Bobo just got, I think, a decent contract from the Magic, if I'm not mistaken. And my, my thing with the Wizards is, like, I, I understood that they wanted to try and, like, change the culture in the locker room. So maybe the Admiral Schofield pick was, like, an exaggeration of that, like, to – to prove that they wanted to try and get the locker room right. But my thing is, with our history of second-round picks, if you take a guy like Bobo, at least someone in that case who has elite traits, because Bobo was being talked about at one point as a top-five pick. And so when a guy like that falls to the second round, just take him. Because if he doesn't work out, well, then you're in the same position as you were to where if you were to take Admiral Schofield or any of the other second-round picks that we've taken in recent memory. It doesn't matter, but at least we can say at the end, okay, we, we, we tried to, to, to be aggressive and take that type of player because you'll see with the, with the Nuggets now, the Nuggets aren't afraid to take guys like that. Like, Bobo's turned into a decent player. Um, Michael Porter Jr. is a starter and just got paid a bag. In the league, one of the best shooters in the league, and Michael Porter Jr. And then the Nuggets gave us Monte Morris and Will Barton, and they got the best player in the deal in KCP because they had a replacement for Monte Morris because um, Bones Highland has proven to be one hell of a player himself. So 
you can afford to to do those things. Like everyone was saying that the Wizards won the trade at the time with the Will Barton and Monte Morris deal, but I I think we we really weren't paying attention to like how much value KCP actually had. It's like people were irritated with KCP because he dribbled too much and would turn the ball over. But what people have to realize is that well, he didn't put himself in that position. Like when the when the clock's winding down, it it's six right. seconds and he and he has the ball at the top of the key. I mean what else are you going to want him to do? He has to try and create something off that. That's not his fault. And again, he was our most consistent player last season. And so when, when you sure shoot the ball. Right, right. I mean, even just in general, though, like perimeter defense, and I get his defense probably wasn't the, the best at some times, but at least he was relatively healthy. Um, and I thought, you know, he was always in the lineup, was always available. I mean, I really did think that he was our, our most consistent player overall last season. But yeah. so, again, that's a, that's a more recent trade where you were trying to get guys that fit Wes's system. And now we're it's like looking a, at – go ahead. But it's like, again, why did you have to trade – why did you have to do a two-for-one deal? Because you were, you know, to get a Will Barton and a Monte Morris – because, again, you had the need that you couldn't address in the draft. Like, you are so desperate for a point guard answer that you had to trade away KCP for a two-for-one deal to get a point guard that you felt like the coach trusted because you haven't been able to identify one in the draft. Right. So we keep trying to – he's trying to patchwork via trade the misses in the draft, and, and you're in this – endless loop you're in this endless time uh, you know talent loop and and it's leading you nowhere like they have they have to be able to identify talent in the draft if they're not we're going to be we're going to be talking about this same stuff 10 20 years from now like they have to do it because all you're going to end up having to having to do all the time is trade for somebody else scraps like it's a reason they're giving you monte and barton right it's a reason they're like oh yeah you can have them they're not they're not that vital to us. We can still win without them. It's a reason for that. Like like you say, they got bones. They got they have uh Murray coming back. They have uh uh Michael Porter Jr. These are draft picks. Draft picks. So like in, until we start hitting in the draft, I like it's it's all a waste of time for me. And it's just like we just we just trade the hamster wheel, man. And we still have Denny Avdia and Johnny Davis. So it's okay, guys. We're, we're, we're on the right track with, with right guys with the right attitude. And, and that's a, another thing for me, too, is recircling back to the Johnny Davis thing because I understand from the minutes he's gotten um, that he hasn't looked too good himself. Oh. But this, th this was a year where you really like, needed to come away with someone who is going to be able to contribute in your rotation right away. Um, and... He's just been a dud, man. From his first time stepping on the court to now, it's been awful. And again, it's not an attack on the guy. I, I don't know Johnny. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Just had a kid. Um, congratulations yeah. to him and all that. But on, on some real just on-floor basketball shit, this is the worst top 10 pick. I, he's worse than Jan Besley. I mean, I'm going to keep it a buck. At least Jan Besley was... <laughs> 6'11", and you can make an argument that um, that his talent was ruined and he wasn't utilized right by the coaching staff. For Whereas sure. Johnny Davis... He was at least an NBA athlete. 
He was elite. Vesley was at least an NBA athlete, and the fact that we're even like this is even debatable right now is just it's so sad. crazy. It's sad. It, but he was at least he was at least an NBA athlete, right? Like you could put him on the floor, he could dunk it. You know, he could, <laughs> like he was six eleven, like you said. Um, he could run the floor a little bit, but but I I haven't seen anything that Johnny Davis does that I'm like, oh yeah, that's his superpower. Like he can do that. He can do that for 10 plus years in the league, you know, uh, you know, on the highest level. Like, I don't know what he does because even his defense, I'm like, yeah, he tries hard. He puts his body on the line, but he's not like a plus. He, he's not like a seven foot wingspan type of guy where he's going to get a lot of deflections and steals and all of that. So it's like his defense is OK, but it's not like, you know, he out there getting a lot of a lot of stocks. Um, and I'm just kind of like. If his offense is going to be this bad and then you're kind of just a decent defender, how do you play? How do you how do you play? Because he's looked like the worst. He's looked like the worst player in the first round by far. Like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it hasn't been good. And Denny Avdi, I know, has had another rough going of it, too. I mean, every game I see, I feel like worse. he's. Missing three pointers. I saw him airball layup. I think it was in the Detroit game. It was either Detroit or yes. Indiana at home. Um, yes. And he's still missing bunnies. And it's just like, bro, we are talking about someone who is. This isn't even like he's a big man where big men are typically a little bit more like uncoordinated. Like this is a six nine right. who had spent time in the Euro League. This was supposed to be a guy that was um, good with both hands. Pause and was going to be able to shoot the ball eventually, um, had a good feel for the game. And it's just like, dude has almost no feel for the game, has no left hand, can't shoot, is taken out of the lineup now because apparently he's not defending, according to West. It's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, and and, and I don't want to just, you know, dump on the young guys because I think some of it is coaching and how they're being used like it's not a coincidence I don't I don't think it's just uh all on the players that all of your young guys look worse right now um you know I you know they're adjusting to these new roles coming off the bench having to having to be a catch and shoot guy where you play off of somebody else and and they weren't really drafted with those skill sets you didn't draft for three and D. You drafted guys that needed the ball to be effective. Like, and you know, Johnny Davis is is another example. Like, he had the ball all the time at Wisconsin, all the time. So he got to shoot twenty times a game, low efficiency, and play through mistakes. In the NBA, he's got to play a role. He's got to be able to knock down a jump shot without touching the ball for twenty straight possessions. Like. That's hard for these guys to learn how to do. And my thing is, you knew what type of team you were building. Why would you draft these type of players and try to fit these square pegs into round holes? Like Denny, another guy, he needs the ball. He, you know, Eurobasket, he got the ball top of the key playing point guard. He needs the ball. He needs to get rhythm dribbling the ball, trying to get downhill, uh, setting guys up in transition. We just got him sitting in the corner spotting up for threes like he not he's not gonna be able to do that i don't think he's ever gonna be able to do that and so you devalue these guys and how you use them 
And then you wonder why you can't trade him for anything. <laughs> like, you wonder why you can't get to the next level. So, like, it's again, it's a never-ending cycle, man. And it, to me, it just keeps going back to the draft and the poor evaluations from the staff. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I think that if there was a guy, if I was another GM out of the young guys, that, like, if I knew exactly what type of player he was and I know how to use him properly and do we have the system for him, Denny would be that guy. I don't hate Denny as a basketball player, but again, it's what we're asking some of these guys to do. Um, we're not exactly using them the right way. And then even Rui last year, too, and thank God he was able to shoot the three ball at a high clip, but um, Rui is more of a mid-range guy who needs the ball and kind of where in the areas where KP needs the ball. Maybe you ISO him at the top of the key, let him get a one-two bounce pull up every once in a while. But it's like really the only one that has been relatively used right, I feel like, is Kispert, and Kispert's hurt right now. So um, yeah. it's really frustrating. And, and the reason we're harping on the on the draft pick so much, and again, not all of it is their fault. There's there's the, the way the team was constructed. There's um, the the coaching issues with that. So it's not all these young guys' fault, and it's not like they're all completely like terrible and the the worst draft picks of all time and all that. Because I'm sure there's uh, a place for them to be successful, but it's just not going to be here. And I'm tired of saying that after every single, almost every single first round pick that we have, with the exception of Wall and Beal. But those are top three picks. When you draft a guy top three. It doesn't matter what situation you're in because those guys are eventually, if not immediately, going to be the face of your franchise. So you're trying to build a franchise around them. Um, But it's just, it's been bad, man. And we're not going to get into all the the free agency and trade stuff today because we would be here forever. We probably wouldn't get done with this podcast until 5 p.m. today, and it's only a little afternoon right now. So um, we don't have the time for that, but... Um, if you're good with this subject, we'll go ahead with our, our games for next week, unless you want to add something. Let's do it, man. All right. All right. This week, well, we already played Philly, but we skipped that game. Um, we'll, we'll, we try to record on Mondays. My new job has me working a nine to five, basically. So sometimes it's a little harder for me to do it on Mondays, but um, we'll try and at least get it done by Wednesday every week. We both would have called that Philly game a loss, though, I I think pretty comfortably. Um, We are at Philadelphia tonight, and I'm going to give that one a loss with or without Embiid, no matter who we have suiting up. It just does not matter. However, I feel like if the Wizards are going to have a surprise victory in here this week, it would be against them, but I'm still going to give them a loss pretty comfortably, I think, for tonight. Uh, man, I want to give them a win just to kind of bounce back. But, yeah, I think it's going to be an L. Like, I, I just think, again, they're not going to be able to handle Maxie and Harden um, attacking the rim. They have no answer for it. Um, Brooklyn, I don't know if Udoka will be on the sideline or not by then. Has that even been uh, official yet or no? No, it hasn't been official, and I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they backtrack out of it, given the backlash they've been seeing. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about it, but just because we we won't get into it. Um, yeah. At Memphis, I am going to give them a big loss for that one. 
You know what? Oh no. I'm I'm gonna say they beat the Nets and they beat the Grizz. The Grizz haven't Ooh. looked good this year. They haven't looked good at all, actually. Um, it's been John Morant and Desmond Bain, and everybody else has kind of just been eh. Uh, but you're gonna have to wall up on John Morant because he's not a he's not a shooter, but that boy gets to the rim. But I think if they wall up on him, they got a shot. How incredible has Desmond Bain been this year? Uh yeah, he's been he's been everything I thought he would be. <laughs> Another another uh, misdraft, right? One of uh, your most famous phrases. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he, he looks like, yeah. He, I mean, I remember coming out. I thought he was like Clipper, like not Clippers, Eric Gordon, uh, Rockets, Eric Gordon, when he was still healthy. A guy that's just like a bull in a china shop and can really shoot that three ball. Um, and yeah, that's what he's doing. He's a perfect fit next to John Morant. Perfect fit. And again, it's it's it, the, the crazy thing about it when I look at some of these teams' drafts is it's not like they they make it seem like it's this big rocket science. Like they just draft a player because they fit, and it's just I don't know why we can't do that. Um, at Charlotte, and that'll be next Monday because uh, I don't know if we'll have a, a pod recorded by then. But I will give them a win here. So out of all the games that we've talked about so far, this is the only one I'm going to give them a win for, and that's just because they're without LaMelo Ball. And see, I have this one as a loss. Okay. Charlotte is Charlotte is an elite pace and three-point shooting team. I think it's a bad matchup. Uh, we, we struggle to guard the three-point line, and we don't pay with pace. We struggle. Terry Rogier is going to have a day. Man, he's going to have a day. So, yeah, I got that one as an L. Um, just looking at our Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year stuff. Uh, quick question. Do you think that uh, Paolo is going to be – or Paolo, I think, is how you pronounce it. Uh, do you think he's going to be an all-star this year? Oh, they won't win enough games. Nah, oh, man, I don't nah. know what the numbers he's been putting up, man. I, I think he might nah, get they, a spot. They won't win enough games. You're talking about out of the forward spot. You already got a stamp. Giannis, how many forwards go? Like five of them? You're know. already gonna stamp. You're gonna stamp Giannis, uh, 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 Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler, Katie. Well, yeah, them three off rip. <laughs> uh, I know I'm missing. DeRozan. I'm missing somebody. DeRozan. Uh, who else I'm missing? Uh, uh, Is Siakam gonna be an all-star? No, probably. no, he's not. Siakam for the Raptors, he's going. Uh, I don't know. Oh yeah, he he's going. Uh, them five off rip. Like I don't, I don't see him because they're gonna oh, win more games. Uh, that's without Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown. And even Tatum, you yeah, Tatum and Jalen Brown. That's seven. Like it's yeah, he he not making no, no way. Unless the fans just like vote him in as a starter, like how they did with Wiggins last year. Um, let's see. Western Conference Finals, I had Warriors Mavericks. Eh. You had Clippers Nuggets. Eh. Both not looking so hot. Although I will say that the, the Warriors, I think, will will get it together eventually. It's so weird that the Clippers have been a bad offensive team this year because I thought they had some pretty um, decent, talented 
guys that could score the ball in their roster. Uh, just because I'm curious, I'm going to look at John Wall stats real quick. Because after every game that I've seen, like, John Wall leads the team in, like, shot attempts. Like, after every game I look at in the box score. It's either that or he's, like, short. I got to shoot it. Somebody got to shoot it with, with Kawhi out and Paul George been having a horrible season. Um, where is his per 36? Here we go. So per 36 right now, John Wall would average 23 points, um, 3.7 rebounds, 7.7 assists. Um, his two-point percentage this year is 57.9, almost 60%, which is pretty elite for the guard. What's his turnovers per 36? Three. So about so seven assists turnovers? Sound yeah, about I was right. Gonna, that, that three assists would be the, the lowest it's been for his career. Um, oh, three, three assists or three turnovers? Oh, three, three turnovers, three turnovers. So. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. That sounds about right for him. Um, his three-point percentage has been at 26 this year, so not good. Um, but his field goal percentage overall is 49, which is the highest it's been since uh, he was in talk that year. He was in talks for MVP, um, which that year he was at 50 or 45 1, and right now he's at 49 1. Yeah, okay. um, so actually, yeah, that 49 1 is like the highest it's, it's ever been. Um, obviously, not a, it's hard with shot attempts and all that. Let me see in real time what he's actually putting up for shot attempts a game right now. Um, 10, so. Yeah. Yeah, he's not shooting a lot, which I, I don't, you know, expect him to coming off the bench, so. But I have enjoyed watching him, generally speaking, this year. Um, it, it sucks that his burst is kind of gone, but he's got that old man strength, you know, like if he gets a decent first step on you, he has enough strength and um, enough stability there in the court to at least be able to put up a create space for a layup, I feel like. So uh, he, he's still got something left in the tank, but I think this is a good role for him. Although eventually I think I'd probably consider starting him, especially if he's going to continue to lead the, the team in shot attempts. So. Um, well, I think that's going to go ahead and do it for us here today, unless you got anything else. No, that was it. That's all I had. All right. Um, we. I was going to say let's do a Twitter space tonight, but I actually have to go in tonight because we're having a little bit of a staffing problem right now, so we won't be able to get to that tonight. But maybe this weekend, or maybe we'll wait till next week to have a Twitter space. But either way, we'll try and bring one back to you guys soon. Until then, just make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Uh, rate us five stars, leave us a kind review. That'll do it for us today, and we'll see you next time.